You're listening to the Reversing Climate Change podcast by the team at Nori, the carbon removal marketplace. This is a show about the innovators and entrepreneurs developing solutions to climate change. Hello and welcome to the Reversing Climate Change podcast. I'm Ross Kenyon. I'm the creative editor at Nori's Carbon Removal Marketplace. We have a bonus episode. We saw some exciting news come out of New Light Technologies. It's been so long since we have caught up. Before we get into that, Radhika Mulgavkar. Radhika, thanks for co-hosting with me. Thanks for having me, Ross. I'm excited. Yeah, Radhika is Nori's head of methodology and also host of our other podcast, Carbon Removal Newsroom, which comes out weekly on Fridays. It's a roundup of all the latest carbon removal news. If you haven't listened, you should open up your app and subscribe to it and get some Radhika in your life. Is that the correct framing for that, Radhika? I don't know about that, Ross, but we'll go with it. <laughs> okay. Mark Harima, co-founder and CEO of New Light Technologies. Thank you so much for coming back. It's a pleasure to be here. Great to see you guys. Uh, I was just looking back to when we first did this show because you were on, I think it's episode 14 of season one, and it came out on March 6th of 2018. So more than three years. Christoph was there. Paul, who was referred to as producer Paul. That used to be how we would run around and do the show back then. You should go back and listen too if you'd like to see the change over time. But a lot has happened since then, both for us. We sound like babies on the show. Uh, so young and so naive. And now we're all grizzled veterans. And a lot has happened for you too, Mark. I keep seeing your stuff pop up. There's cool new products. I don't know. It just seemed like a natural time to check in. So how's it been going? Good. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, it kind of feels like yesterday when we did that podcast. But I know I've got a few more gray hairs since then. So it's been a bit. <laughs> but yeah, man, it's really good. You know, we we were kind of in semi quiet mode uh, for a while there. And then in September of last year, uh, September 2020, we announced the commissioning of our commercial scale plant that we call Eagle 3. It's at the facility that you guys toured, but it hadn't yet been built. And um, from that facility, we've started to launch products into market using air carbon. It's been great. It's been, it's been a lot of fun, obviously a lot of challenges, but sort of the, the beginning of a new chapter for us. So despite how you know, turbulent, obviously, the, the past year has been for everybody, it's also been a year of, of tremendous growth for us. So we're, we're excited. So Mark, I listened to that episode and Ross is so right. So naive sounding and like babies, but what? we've come a long yeah. way. <laughs> you, I'm allowed to say actually, that. <laughs> but I was wondering, you you just mentioned your new facility, but one thing you talked a lot about where you're licensing your desire to license. And is that still kind of the direction your company's thinking about going or you're more focused on now manufacturing thing changed, added on? Well, our focus is is ultimately the impact. And, you know, when we started this now almost 18 years ago, our goal was to create a, a market-driven, consumer-driven solution to reducing the amount of carbon in the air and to do that by basically mimicking a technology that happens every day in the ocean. Mm -hmm. And so it, it took us about 10 years to figure that out. Once we had a platform there, the running question has been and continues to be, how can we expand the utilization of this as widely and as, as fast as we can? So one of the ways to do that is, is potentially through licensing, but there are a lot of ways to do it. Right now, our focus is on going as fast as we can and then supporting everything that comes from that. So how that translates is we're focused on 
building plants and building them, putting as much steel in the ground as we can. And then to the extent that we're able to develop partnerships and relationships that enable licensing, uh, we certainly want to support and do that. What we don't want to do, though, is we don't want to kind of wait around and, and sort of wait for people to take whatever steps. Time is of the essence. And so we're going to be building as, as many facilities as we can and then supporting licensing along the way. The show that we did back then also focused quite a lot on things that I would not describe strictly as consumer facing, things like packaging, There's talk of Dell and Ikea in that episode. But now you have two consumer brands for apparel and foodware. Um, that seems very new and exciting. That's When did that happen? So Air Carbon has a whole bunch of cool features. And because it's meltable, it can be used to replace plastic. And the blessing and the curse of that is that it can just do so many things. <laughs> we spent the first 10 years really in, not really in, as in kind of, but totally in stealth mode. Um, no website, no public interactions. We were just focusing on the tech. When we came out of that and we, we talked to people about what we we're doing, we just got a lot of requests for the material. So all these great brands reaching out. And of course, we were just like, yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll do that and that and that. And that. So we, we were immediately pulled in tons of directions. We were doing a lot of different projects. And there was a lot of good in that in the sense that we were able to show that this material could be used really on a platform basis to replace a lot of different things. The downside of that, though, is you know every company only has so many people and so many hours in the day. So at some point, we had to take a step back because the, the demand in this space is just, it's just vast. And the volumes are just so big. We had to take a step back and say, all right, where, where can we provide the most impact today? And so we said, all right, the, the, the two features where air carbon really shines is number one, it's a natural occurring material. And because it's a natural occurring material, if it ends up in the environment, the environment understands it, it'll, it'll degrade it. So as an example, we're able to make things like straws that are ocean degradable. That's, that's distinctive and different and holds a lot of value. And the other one is the fact that it's carbon negative. So with those two kind of value points in mind, we said, all right, which industries are the best fit for, for today? And we looked at the ocean plastics uh, pollution problem. And it turns out that the, the majority of product types that end up in the ocean are related to food service. So think of everything from straws and cutlery to you know, bottles and so forth. Um, but it's things that you know, touch food. And so we said, you know, that's, that's a place where we can have a massive impact. And so we decided to go down that path. And today we're producing straws, cutlery, and we're going to be rolling out a whole bunch of different products as well that they're, they're made with this naturally occurring material and thus have a totally different end of life story compared to synthetic plastics that, that never go away. The other place was carbon negativity. We'll come back to this because I think it, we've, we've been surprised by how much interest we've gotten on the foodware side relative to that. But we said, you know, where can that have a big impact? And so if you're putting your material in the back of a refrigerator part or something that people just aren't interacting with, we didn't think that that would have as much of an impact. So we like the idea of, of taking a specific industry and saying, let's help decarbonize this, but put it into people's hands so they can actually see. So this, this is my, my wallet. I know we're on radio-ish as it were. Um, so you can't see it, but I'm, I'm holding a, an air carbon wallet and it's kind of cool. You can hold in your hands something that has a net negative carbon footprint. Um, and with that comes a, a blockchain number. So you can plug that, that number into our website and it'll pull up all the steps in the production process 
that led to that from gas all the way through to powder and then into the, the air carbon leather stitched and finally culminating with the LCA, the third party LCA that gives the specific carbon impact number on a third party basis. So that we were hoping that that would kind of really bring it together for you know, someone using this product and serving not just to try to help decarbonize places that use leather, but also serve as a, as a maybe hopefully, you know, not to get ahead of ourselves, but maybe as an inspiration point, say, look, I'm holding this in my hand. That means that, you know, there's a whole lot maybe more possible than, than we initially first thought. So we were inspired by those two pathways and that's why we went down those, those paths. Just curious, what's like, how often can you reuse your plastic wear? Is it like washable or is it immediately biodegradable? Kind of what's the life cycle on those things? The first thing that, that, that you should know is uh, whenever anybody refers to our stuff as plastic. I, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> apologize for that. Your air carbon cutlery. <laughs> Thank you. No, um, so the, I guess the only reason we do bring it up is because part of our mission is to try to, you know, prevent the the flow of plastic into the environment. We think air carbon is a great tool to do that, but it has a really interesting property. It just so happens that in its, in its natural form, and this is again, it's made in every ecosystem on earth, it's hydrolytically stable. So water doesn't break it down. And what that means is you can use it in your dishwasher, you know, in your home, you'd never notice anything. It is enzymatically degradable though. So what that means is if it's in your kitchen, nothing's happening. If you take that same straw or cover it with dirt and feed it water and you grow a chia pet on it, then it's going to start to, to break down. So that's, that's a, sort of a, a lucky thing that we had. Nature just made it that way. It also happens to have a temperature profile where you can put it through the dishwasher. So you can reuse these things over and over. That's important to us, of course, from a carbon perspective, but even end of life, you know, just because something's degradable doesn't mean we want it to end up in the environment. So it happens to, and again, we got kind of luckier. It just happens to have this profile that, that allows us to do all those things. We should probably catch our listeners up in case they haven't heard the show. How does this process work? What exactly are these products made out of? Yeah. The air carbon production process starts with a microorganism derived from the ocean. So if you come visit our facility, the main reactor that, that carries out this process is a big stainless steel tank. It's roughly 50 feet tall. And what we do is we fill it with salt water. And into that salt water, we add a microorganism that's from the oceans, naturally occurring, it's non-GMO, and it eats greenhouse gas as its food source. And so um, we, we feed it air and greenhouse gas. And, and as we're doing so, it's growing and multiplying, but it's also filling its cell with uh, this molecule that the, the technical name is, is PHB. Um, and PHB is this fascinating molecule. It's made in almost all known living things. The human body makes it. So as it's, as it's growing, it's, it's filling its cell with PHB. And then what we do is we put that through a, a multi-step high-pressure uh, filtration process. So we separate the microorganism from the PHB polymer. That's what we call air carbon. We turn that into a fine white powder uh, and then into a pellet. And then in pellet form, we can melt that into anything from straws to cutlery to leather, sheet, or whatever it is. So we're basically mimicking a process that's happening in nature all day, every day, just doing it on land. When we last spoke, your feedstocks were from landfills, if memory serves me well here. Is that still how you're getting your methane and, and, and CO2 and, and other greenhouse gas feedstocks? 
So over the years, we've we've run with a number of feedstock sources. So we've run with biogas from a dairy farm, biogas from a food waste digester. Uh, we've run with landfill gas, abandoned coal mine gas that we take on a wheeled basis through the grid. We're seeing a number of ways to access the methane side. On the CO2 side, our primary source was we teamed up with a gas company who was capturing CO2 coming off of an ethanol plant. And then they were delivering that to our, our facility. So uh, we've, we've got a pretty wide range of sources that we have and, and can use. We do prefer methane right now because it's got that you know meaningfully higher impact relative to CO2, at least 23x. So that's really our focus today. And then as we grow, you know, we'll expand into more emphasis on the CO2 side. So that you know brings up a nice little segue into what Ross and I do on a daily basis is the carbon market. So how have you been thinking about the carbon markets lately? It's obviously become a much hotter and much uh, more broadly discussed topic in the last few years. You know, it, it's interesting. When we started New Light, we had this ideology that the technology that we were developing and the products that we we're making, they needed to be attractive both from a consumer standpoint and economically on their own two feet. In other words, without the presence of subsidies or credits or anything like that. So it's taken us a while to kind of come around to the, the thought that, hey, maybe this is something that, that we should look at. I think initially our path was really more based off of consumer communication. When you hold a, a product in your hand on its face, it's, it's hard to know, you know what, what is its carbon impact. So the, the, the first thing that we did was we teamed up with IBM about three years ago, actually right around the time when at that podcast, so many, so many gray hairs ago. And we said, all right, we, we want to have a way for people to have a verifiable look into the carbon footprint. And it, that was a, that took a pretty big effort to get that in place. And we have that today, but in parallel, we also wanted to uh, have a methodology that showed that our process was a capable of generating carbon credits. So um, we put together a group and worked with Vera, who used to be VCS, and we created a methodology that effectively covers our, our process. And that was, I think, also somewhere between two and three, maybe two years to get that through. And now that that's in place, you know, we're starting to look at that and say, well, how do, how do we want to utilize that? And, and there, are, there are different potential pathways. One of them is to just you know, kind of take the credits that come from that. There's also a potential pathway where you could pass those along. And so we're, we're evaluating that right now, but it's now become something that, that we like. There's a tangibility to it that we think is important. And so what you're going to see from us is over the next few years, we're going to be increasingly involved in, in that space. Did you say it took you two years to get your project, your methodology up and running in Vera? I think it was about that period of time. There, there were so many steps, and then this is not—I mean, this is not a knock on on anyone. It, it's just a very extensive thing that you go through because I think we had—I can't remember how many third parties were involved, but there's there's a lot, <laughs> and, yeah. and public comments and all kinds of stuff that that you go through, and and lots of not just third party verifications, but then even the the third party checks on the third party verification. So there's just so many steps to get to that point. It wasn't an overnight process. I'd like to hear a bit more about this passing on to consumers. One of the questions that we often face is if, say, a company 
is generating carbon offsets, carbon removals. If they sell those all away, do they lose their status as being carbon negative as a business? How are you thinking about that or how should we be? I believe they do. Yeah, because you can't double count. So um, that is a consideration that you know, wh- whoever ultimately owns them has, has the footprint. Uh, at least that's my understanding. But, but certainly there, there can't be a, a vestige of, of double counting. Are you able to not monetize some of the amounts of credits that would say, for instance, a, a wallet generated, uh, was like two, this is way more than a wallet would be two tons. And you held one back to say like, Hey, this wallet is carbon negative. Someone else didn't buy the carbon negativity of your wallet off of you before you even got it. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) I haven't played that scenario out. I mean, all, all of this stuff is increasingly governed by, you know, international standards, you know, ISO standards and whatnot. So, you know, it's, it's gotten to the point now where a question like that, I run through the system as if it's a legal question because it effectively in some ways is. So my short answer is I, I don't know. It's interesting to me that you're talking about increasingly this being governed by international gu- guidelines and ISO standards, because in some ways I feel like it seems like there's still a lot of work to be done out there. And like a two-year registration process to get your project seems like one of the places where we could get better. But that also makes me think about what do you think the marketplaces should be evolving to, or what do you think needs to change to make them better and more attractive? to entrepreneurs like yourself? Well, I, I think I think you've touched on a good point, which is that the more we can speed up the process and reduce the cost of, of getting new methodologies, we will see more methodologies. The, the key is ensuring that they meet quality standards. And I, you know, the flip side of a, of a long time period to get something approved is, is that you know, it generates trust having gone through so many third parties and I think that's that's the reason that that's in place right now, but but even still, it does become a barrier to having more things in place that are having an impact. That part's not positive. I think the international standards are they appear to be homogenizing, but there's still work to do. I think, for instance, SCS used uh, ISO fourteen zero four four, or at least something in that realm. <laughs> the world is continuing to to move more. I, I th- at least from my perspective to you know what should eventually be a single gold standard that everybody uses that way there's really good visibility and then the key is just going to be making sure that there's unquestionable quality that's the flip side to the the speed question look our business is to take greenhouse gas and use it as a resource and turn it into in, into products so that being the case, there's not an element to which you know this is this is tail wagging the dog. This is this is our core business. So being able to take you know greenhouse gas and turn it into a wallet is is indicative of hey, why are we using these either animal skin or these other chemicals? There's a different pathway. And oh, by the way, if you've got attractive economics, then hey, there's a lot to talk about here. So we're just showing that there's there's a whole different production pathway. Not not only is it a different production pathway, but it's sort of this nexus of we can and we need to find low carbon or carbon negative ways to, to produce. And so we're rolling out different verticals that that demonstrate that. And if you then multiply those out by the size of these markets, 
Um, I mean, imagine decarbonizing foodware, decarbonizing big segments of the fashion industry. Those, those are things that we want to put in sight and say, hey, this, this might actually be possible. And if you can do it over there, well, why can't you do it over there? So this stuff's core to where we want to be. Hmm. Is this a common approach you're seeing with other companies that are using captured carbon in some way? Or is because there are some that are consumer facing, but I think a lot of it is probably stuff that the average person doesn't even know exists and maybe takes for granted. What's your read of the sector overall? I mean, a lot of the sector is pretty utilitarian. Like concrete's where where the where the show is for for that kind of technology, right? The the, the other stuff is is interesting and, and and cool, but it's not really where the volume is going to be. So in that case, it's a, it's a little bit more, nothing wrong with this, but a little bit more marketing-based just to show it's possible. Um, and I think that's where the vast majority of the carbon capture world is, at least in terms of carbon to product. And, and that's fine. I, I think it really just depends on the kind of thing that you're making. You know, For instance, if you're making a fuel, that's totally cool and, and great. But that's not really something that, that consumers are going to interact with very much. We just happen to make a material that you know, does result in products that you can hold in your hands and, and have them be part of your life. So I guess we feel fortunate in that regard because it, it's it's fun for us too. Can I ask what your favorite product is that you've created? Or is that like asking who's your favorite child? Oh, yeah. Um, I've had um, different flings with um, different products. There was a time when I was really infatuated with our straw and it was a bit awkward to really feel so strongly about a straw. But I'll, I'll choose a favorite child. Well, this is going to be hard. You know, I really, really like our fork. Well, here's what I like about it. Obviously, it's carbon negative, but it, but it also, it just, it just works so well. It's not like kind of that flimsy fork that's annoying and kind of you go, go into the salad and it folds over on itself. It's not too brittle. It's just great. And I guess why that matters to me is we don't want to make stuff that people have to settle. And our goal, the reason that I've spent my entire adult life in this is I want to see impact and I want to see scale. And I think in order to get there, you got to create products that people love. They can't feel like they're, they're settling. And so <laughs> it's just a fork, but it also represents something. It, it means that, hey, like this is, a, this is possible. This is a different path. Now, of course, I'm sitting here, look, my, my wallet, air carbon loaded wallet is, is sitting here looking at me. So I'm feeling a little guilty, but I want to say it out loud, but maybe it's my second favorite. <laughs> I have definitely used that wooden fork that has broken on me and it is intensely aggravated. Yeah. I mean, you got to worry about those, those splinters that, that, you know, maybe they don't come through. Maybe they do. You don't know. Or the spork that does nothing. It's <laughs> yeah, just well, like those, useless. <laughs> you're talking about the one that I'm talking about. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. So that, yeah, that's the I, one to beat sounds like. I mean, I, I, uh, you know, I haven't convinced the team yet to move over to spork. That's, that's my next big ambition in life. Wow. What a sentence. Okay. You mentioned blockchain too. What are you using? Yeah. So we teamed up with IBM a few years back and we've set up a system where all of our process inputs and outputs are tracked. Um, Is that Hyperledger? Is that what they're still on? Yeah. Okay. I think they use their Linux one system. Uh, It's cloud-based system. And so what we're able to do is, is, all of our production metrics flow into this. And so when you plug in this number, each one of these, our fashion products come with a unique number. So there's, there's not like, there's like 
20 of them that have the same number. They're, they're all individually either UV printed or laser etched. And they have a, basically that number corresponds to a time. And that time was the moment that the air carbon used to make that product was produced. So you plug it in and it, and it then pulls the data from our system that shows when these different steps happened. Um, and then also on the blockchain is the LCA associated with that product. So that was a pretty intensive setup, but again, we wanted to make it so it's like, well, how do I know like where this thing came from? So, well, okay, plug this number in and you can see. And, and blockchain is so unique in the sense that it's really the only technology that could give someone that level of assurance that, yeah, this is, this is the pathway. So that was, that was something that we found really attractive. And then when you eventually combine that over into the carbon value side, maybe the carbon credit side, you can see a lot of potential there. I think you're speaking our language there. Radic is not going to jump at debate. Listeners have probably had their fill of that one, I think. I yeah, I was, I was going to say, you and Christoph did that great on the first episode. So. Oh, man. Mark, you had some amazing line. Like, I want to do a trailer of the show and take all the funniest moments and stack them up against each other. And I think one of your lines is a natural fit, which is us asking you to define polymer. Do you remember that part of the show? <laughs> oh, yeah. I think I nailed that one. I, I explained that both poly and mer. Period. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, mic drop, the end. And we all died laughing. Yeah, of course, everyone knows that the Latin for mer is, yeah, very good. Well, any predictions moving forward? Where this, where's the space going to go in the next couple of years? What are you looking forward to? Gosh, right now, it's all about scale. We, we feel like we've just installed our solar panel. And so now it's installing a whole lot of solar panels. And not to be flippant with that, what I mean is that we've, we've now achieved a scale where it's, it's now more replication of, and that's really important because that gives us the ability to grow faster. Do you mean like internally at the factories that your company actually owns, not licensing or both? Well, both, but you know, our, our main focus is us just putting our own facilities up. But, but like I said, we're, we're still fully supportive of and, and will support licensing along the way. But yeah, by with Eagle Three now online, it's um, it's growth time, and so that's really our, or at least certainly one of my central focuses now is is where Eagle Four is going in, and getting that up and going, and then to your point, figuring out how to proliferate this thing in, in the smartest way possible. So we'll see that we'll see more product types coming out. One of our ambitions is to launch within the next five years over 90% of the product types that end up in the ocean currently to show that there is a, there is a pathway that we, we can, in fact, come close to stopping the consistent accumulation of, of plastics in the ocean. It's not going to be easy. It's going to take a long time, but there is a pathway. And, you know, just continue to have bigger and bigger impact. Ross, maybe you can ask for a tour and get another hard hat, huh? He, oh, yeah. They were also very excited about the hard hats. They talked about that again today. I mean, we, we've got some serious goodies now, Ross. We've got high pile storage, which I find particularly exciting. So there's that. All of our hard hats are now fully UV treated, you know, with, with our, our COVID protocols. So it's, it's gotten uh, exponentially more exciting if you want to come by. I'm like a sad humanities writer now, software guy. So anything that touches hardware, ooh, this is very exciting. You can't hear because she muted, muted herself, but Radica is just dying at my expense right now. 
<laughs> We're going to talk about this afterwards. Right? Yeah. Well, uh, actually, one, one cool thing is um, now we also have you know, finished products are being produced on site. So it's kind of cool. You, you look over here, you see gas flowing in or, or you see the pipes where gas flowing in. And then over here, you see you know, straws coming out. And it, it's kind of neat. At least yeah, I've been doing this quite a while, but it's still cool, cool to see that these gases are being turned into finished products. So yeah, come on by. We'll give you some more, some more hard hats. And If someone is loving this show, they want to support what you're doing, what's the best way for them to do so? I think spreading the word is, is great. Uh, letting people know that, that we're making these products, both our, our foodware and our, and our fashion products. Um, and check them out and, and you know, tell us what you think. Um, we, we'd love to get feedback and you know, I, I think part part of what we want to do is, is show people that there is another way. If we can turn it into these products, you know, what else is possible? So I think spreading the word is is our our favorite thing. I got my eye on one of these wallets. Actually, I'm in the market for one, so maybe you'll uh, maybe you'll see a little purchase come your way here soon. All right. There's a we we that's a we developed a little hexa hexagon pattern on. So if you're if you're choosing, I would recommend that one. That's my personal favorite. Thanks for the tip. Yeah. Anything else, Radhika? Nope. It's super nice to meet you, Mark. That was really interesting and really looking forward to where you guys head in the future. I'm waiting for my non-plastic air carbon water bottle. That's like the dream. Yeah. Yeah. So they bother me the most, the water bottles that I see floating in the ocean. It just seems incongruous somehow. I'll put it this way. That that problem will be solved. So (laughs) it's on the radar. KG industrial uh, speak sounds like, but maybe there's something in the future to come. We'll see. Thanks for being here, Mark. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Great to be uh, with you. Yeah, good to, good to have you here. Good to have a catch up. If you like what we're doing here, please give us a great rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps a lot. Hey, go buy some stuff over from New Light. Links to all of the things we discussed are in the show notes. And thank you so much for listening. Well, thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please rate and review it in Apple Podcasts and or Stitcher. It really helps us a lot to get this content to a wider audience. If you think what we're doing is useful, interesting, fun, hopefully all three, we'd certainly appreciate your rating and review. You can keep up with Nori at Nori.com where there is a newsletter. That's Nori.com slash subscribe. There's podcast. There's a whole bunch else. Or you can send us an email at podcast at Nori.com. We are also now on Patreon at patreon.com slash Nori Podcasts if you'd like more content, engagement, and community. And thank you so much for your support.